from the Duck South Studios in Morgan City, Mississippi. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. I want to punch you in the face so bad right now. This is the On The X podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. Get the governor harumph. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Today's episode is brought to you by Advantage Multi from Bayer. Advantage Multi is veterinarian's number one choice in the prevention of heartworms, fleas, roundworms, hookworms, and whipworms. Treats and controls sarcoptic mange. Make sure your dog is protected by using Advantage Multi. I said what I said and I'll stand by it to the death. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And now, here are your hosts, Jay Paul Jackson. You just love to hear yourself talk, don't you? Even when you're not saying anything. Rocky LaFleur. Yo, Adrian! Adrian! Houston Kennedy. Please, Houston, we have a problem. And Josh Webb. Coons. We're raccoons trying to get on our back porch. Mama just chased them off with a broom. Welcome to the On The X podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I'm Rocky LaFleur, your co-host today, and I'm joined by my good friend, Josh Webb, and our Western bud, Jake LaTundras. Guys, how are y'all doing today? Hey, hey, hey. I'm good, Rocky. I'm good. Jake, you just got back from a trip, right? Uh, Yeah, where did I go? (laughs) Uh, uh, East Coast. (laughs) Right? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! 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 <laughs> Just got back from the eastern shores of New Jersey. I, I I'd forgotten about it too. With all that's going on, I totally forgotten about Jake being out there too. Jake, tell us a little bit about that. About that. That's something that we're going to have to do a podcast about at some point because it was a completely different realm of waterfowling for me, and we went there to focus on uh, specifically on the black duck the American black duck, and, you know, we saw things that I had uh, dreamt about from childhood, just, you know, hearing stories about big flocks of black ducks, and, of course, being from the South, as we most of us are, you know, our experience with black ducks are singles or pairs of black ducks coming in with, you know, flocks of mallards or groups, small groups of mallards, and uh, we were in a situation up there on these salt salt ponds and salt marshes um, where we were filming flocks of 70 or 80 or 100 black ducks in a flock, like with no mallards. Um, it was just a it was just a really cool experience and definitely something that I would love to talk about with you guys one day. Yeah, that's, that's something, you know, just that amount, that, you know, one group that you're talking about, I can, I can say, um, completely you know be completely honest i've never seen that many in my life on you know black ducks it's kind of like you said you know you know one will get one or two will get mixed in in a, in a wad of mallards from time to time but i probably haven't seen really truly really 10 i don't even know if i've seen 10 or 12 you know in the wild um or, or while hunting uh in my life that that's really cool and it was neat you got to spend some time out there i was keeping up with everything on on social media and uh so that was a and the whole experience looked looked, looked really really cool. Um, but it yeah, was it was an that, adventure. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely spend a whole podcast talking about that in the near future. Sounds good. 
I can't say that I've seen but one, and I shot it, and it's on my wall. And I, that's the only one that that's the only one that I've ever seen at Mossy Island Outfitters kill in 20 wow. years. That's the only one I've ever seen kill. I saw, wow. I saw a that's lot really of pictures. I saw a lot of pictures of black ducks being killed this year. I, I don't know what the deal was. It was a lot of them down the central flyway, which is real unusual. Mm-hmm. I think that I think there's an, the explanation is. The the black duck population is doing so well right now that in 2017 the federal uh, the federal bag daily bag limit on black ducks was just raised the other day to two. So if that tells you anything about you know how well they're doing and their population densities, you know that might explain why their their distribution is a little bit wider and the the frequency of you know, pictures on social media with not just black ducks, but hybrids. I mean, is it just me or has there been a higher frequency of hybrid black duck and pintail mallard crosses on social media this year? No, I've seen a, I think it's a, I've seen a lot of pintail mallard crosses. I can't say that I've seen a lot Mm -hmm. of uh, pintail black mallard crosses. No, no, I just meant mallard, mallard black duck and or mallard pintail, just hybrids in general. Yeah, yeah, well, the, yes, the answer is yes for me. Yeah, I, I've noticed that too, the the hybrid uh, pictures of having. I don't know if it's just because maybe I pay more attention to <laughs> to social media and things than I did versus, you know, a couple years ago. Um, but, but one thing I will say that, that I'm happy to hear yeah, Jake, I know you didn't get to duck hunt a whole lot this year, but I'm happy to hear Rocky still uh excited talking about duck hunting after the <laughs> after the season that that we endured here in Mississippi. Um it was tough. Um but you mm. know, with that, uh, you know, now obviously we're 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 out of it. There's no more uh no more duck hunting going on. But this time of year is the time of year to be looking for a place to hunt in the future. And if you're doing that, you know, from all of us here, we highly recommend spending time searching the listings that our title sponsor, Joseph Presley and Four Corner Properties, has. Um, you know, he was just posting things through this last weekend of season of of clients and, and landowners on either new properties or existing properties that are, that are being listed, hunting and enjoying really good times. Um, on these properties that they have listed, these duck hunting properties. Um, so if you're looking for any kind of, not just duck hunting, any type of recreational land, be sure to check out the Four Corner Properties and Joseph Presley and everything that they have listed there. All right, guys. With the, you know, with the the change of the season or the change of or the end of hunting season, now begins the scouting process, especially for you two that are huge deer hunters. And it's something that I want to learn about from both of y'all. I want to talk a little bit about shed hunting today because it looks like my girls and my boy are going to be deer hunters. They love going to sit in deer stand and they love watching deer. But I want to learn from your from you guys because I, you know, I'm about to buy a good sized piece of property that's going to have deer and turkey on it. I want to learn about shed hunting because it's so important in understanding your deer that are on your property. Wouldn't you agree with that? 
Oh, absolutely. And, you know, one thing that, that I say, especially with the age of your kids, is start start that process by shed hunting. Start that process of getting them out there and um, and on the land and in in the outdoors. The whole entire family. I mean, take the wife, too. That's, that's one fun thing. That's one of the reasons we love to do it is because we get everybody to go. Um, it's just fun being out there, and it's just, you know, it's pretty much a... An outdoorsman's Easter egg hunt is what it is, but it's a lot of fun, and you get to. Another reason I, I like to use it for a scouting tool is I, I go in, I get to go into places where I don't during hunting these, you know, like bedding areas or places like that where I don't spend any time going into um, during during the season because I don't want to blow a deer out of there. Um, you know, I will go into them uh, when I'm looking for sheds. Uh, and it, it helps you learn a lot more about your land too. Maybe why they use certain areas and and why they don't, or why it seems like there's always a big deer in this area. You know, this time of year gives you that opportunity to get in there and maybe find some sheds of a deer you didn't even know were were on your place, or or find the sheds of one that you know you you hoped lived, but at the same time see a lot of different areas and kind of start putting the pieces of the puzzle together to get in front of him um you know next season josh i would think that we carry the same uh thought about this in that no matter i mean can you go to your shed pile right you probably got a, a pile of them somewhere in your barn or in your house your basement or whatever i've i've got all mine um in in my basement and it's funny how you get hundreds of sheds um, in a in a collection, and you can pick one up. You could pick one up, and hold. On, I'm sorry. You can pick one up and remember exactly where you found it, when you found it, and you know, kind of almost like recollect the exact moment. Almost like you just harvested a deer or you did something special. Is, are you are you the same way? No, I'm the exact same way. And and that's another thing, Rocky. That that, that brings it right into it is because that will immediately get your kids attached to it because they're going to remember that too. Um, and that's what, but yeah, I mean, I, and it doesn't matter what shed it is. I can go out here and pick up a, uh, you know, a spike, a spike. Or I can pick up, but you know, a, yeah, or I can pick up, you know, a big one doesn't matter. Um, oh yeah. You remember exactly where it was. And you know, that's, I'd never, you know, we really haven't gotten serious about shed hunting until the last four or five years. And yeah, I can't, um, I don't know how many we found in that amount of time. Um, it's a bunch. We've been, you know, fortunate to find a bunch. And but I can tell you where every one of them. I mean, even not just the ones that came off our place. You know, we go to some other hunting clubs and other places and find them and and uh, you know try to expose you know more people to it. And you know, I, I can you know the same way. You know, I can look at a picture or, or or pick one of those up and say, oh yeah, you know we. You know, that one was laying next to that cedar tree, you know, and it's really, really cool. I never really thought about that until we got serious about shed hunting. But it, mm-hmm. it, it's, a, it's a neat process. It's a lot of fun. And then, you know, if you find the sheds of, of, a, of a deer and then you – or maybe you had pictures of him or you start getting pictures of him next year. You know, I'm sitting here now looking at the, uh, you know, a deer that I'm fortunate enough to have on the wall and right next to him is I, I have his sheds. So you mm-hmm. it, man, that just really, really builds into the story of a deer. Uh, it, it just makes it. It just adds a whole another element to to being out there and being, you know, mm-hmm. amongst those those animals. 
Mm-hmm. It's, hey. like, it's like you said, it's an adult redneck Easter egg hunt, and it seems like <laughs> yeah. you're constantly rushed. You're rushed because there's two things. I mean, if you're on private property, it's one thing, but sometimes, you know, sometimes I go out to public land and try to uh, find sheds, especially out here in the Midwest where, you know, I mean, the deer get big even on public ground. And, you know, it's a race. You're either racing the squirrels because they'll grab them and rodents will start chewing on them or the squirrels will grab them and hide them or eat them or whatever happens to them. They just seem to disappear. So you're racing against that and or you're racing against other people. And then if you go shed hunting with four or five people, it's like it's like you're four years old again on an Easter egg hunt because you're racing to find all the sheds. You don't want them to find sheds. (laughs) <laughs> my wife has pushed me out of a moving vehicle to beat me to <laughs> I'm not making that. <laughs> I, she shoved I me I, completely out of, uh, the, you know, we were in the in the Gator, you know, Ranger, and, and we both saw it about the same time, and the next thing I knew, I was eating dirt, and she was laughing, mm-hmm. running and getting the shit. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> I'm laughing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, and that's, you know, it just brings up I don't know, competitive side to it. And, and I don't know, it's just a lot of fun. Um, well, that was I mean, my is, first question for y'all. Jake, you brought up my first question. How long do you have once sheds start hitting the ground before ro- you have to start worrying about rodents and squirrels, you know, hiding them I out? Think, or I, think it, I, think th- I think the next day, Rocky, I mean, you know, it's just luck. I mean, you you put yourself in position to find the sheds based on, you know, your knowledge and your experience at finding sheds and all those things. It's just like hunting. But the rodents, I think, particularly in places like Iowa and Illinois and, and Missouri, where they've got, you know, this, they've got really too many squirrels. I mean, they go after the the sheds immediately because that's a really high source of of calcium which is a whole nother conversation because i've as a conservationist i've actually asked myself so should i actually be picking these sheds up or should i be leaving them in the woods for the rodents because that's their only source of calcium i know it's not their only source but let's just say that's that's a, a high source of calcium for them you know what what does that do? And and again, that's a whole other conversation, maybe. But I've I've actually thought about that. Yeah, you know, Rocky, around here where we live, I mean, I agree with that. I've definitely seen some that were obviously just a few days old, if a day old, and they'll have some chewing on them. But you know, another thing down here, the most of them, most of them, not all, but most of them that we find are out in these ag fields or big big food plots and it you know it really takes a it, it takes a pretty good amount of time before the rodent uh finds one out there so we don't i don't know you can, it kind of goes both ways you know we find them in the woods sometimes they haven't been messed with at all and then sometimes you find mm-hmm. them in the woods and then you know you can you can just hold up the you know, just the base you know there's not much there um but you know overall if we if we find them, and we do during turkey season, later in the spring, most of them by that time have at least been chewed on some. But mm-hmm. you know, February through even through the end of March, we don't see too much. Uh, you know, not not too much chewed up. You know, too many of them chewed up by rodents. All right. Well, let me ask you this: What is the secret tip 
you know, do you have a like a pattern that you walk through the woods, certain areas that you look for them? Because, um, you know, I want to learn about all this today from you guys because you guys are the professionals about it. I, I think, you know, I usually, when I'm in the woods shed hunting, I start thinking about where the buck activity is because bucks are at least even a little bit aggressive all the time just because they're boys. I mean, boys will be boys. So if you find a food source um, where there's a lot of deer activity, you're probably going to find some sheds because, you know, bucks, butt heads, um, all the way up to, um, uh, you know, them shedding their antlers. I like to look around fence jumps where they jump a fence and it jars their front legs and ultimately their head. Um, I have found lots of sheds around fence lines and then i like to look around bedding areas where you know bucks are still bumping little trees and and they're bedding together and uh you know they butt heads or they just lay down and they get up and that's just enough to knock the sheds off their heads so really where wherever you think there are wherever you would hunt bucks that's where i typically find sheds let me ask you a crazy question. This is going to make me look dumb, but this time of the year, you know, I know that bucks get into bachelor groups all through the summer, but do they get back into those bachelor groups now after, you know, mm-hmm. starting a spring? Or when does that happen? I don't necessarily think they're bachelor groups right now. They're just grouped up around food sources because all the deer will, Josh, you're probably still at least on the tail end of the, uh, or the early stages of post rut, or at least at the end of the end of the rut, but in most places around the country, from the Midwest out to the West and up into Northeast, um, you know they're just grouped up as as animals, as a as a species, because they're 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 grouping in areas where they're feeding in in uh, uh, in high concentrations on on food sources because they run themselves down so hard during the rut i mean if you look at trail pictures right now a lot of your bucks are nothing but skin and bones and they're they're they've got abscesses and infections from antler wounds and from fighting and gunshots and this and and arrow you know injuries and stuff like that they're all run down and they're just trying to rebuild themselves right now so and i'd always heard that one of the keys to um, you know, you're, 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 you're one of the signs, one of the biological indicators that you see in the woods is if your deer are carrying their antlers late into or early into spring or, or late, even late into spring, that means your, your deer herd, at least that individual is healthier because it's ultimately, um, hormones that are, that create the connective tissue between the antler and the pedicle on the, on the deer's on the deer's head and when those hormones go down to nothing that's when it dries up and falls off so the healthier your yeah. deer are go ahead oh no no I, I i agree with that and you know it's not uncommon at all for for us to get pictures of of deer I mean, we do every year we'll get pictures of deer middle of march you know even on into the i think last year was the latest we've ever gotten one with with both sides on camera and it was the 20th or 21st of march um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, and that's why you know, we find a lot of sheds while we're turkey hunting. We find a lot of them then. Um, we'll start looking next week, um, or this coming weekend, first weekend of February, 
but we normally don't start finding many until the last the last week of February and the first week of March are really 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 good for us. That's when we usually find the most. Um, but we'll go ahead and start looking, like you said, around food plots especially, uh, and these these ag fields and stuff. And you know, Rocky talking about how we do it. Um, we usually there's usually at least three or four of us, sometimes six or eight of us. And when it comes to a food plot, depending on the amount of people we have, but we'll always put somebody you know out in the middle, and then just kind of spread out every 40, 50 yards all the way to the woods, but then it is just as important to have people in the woods. Another, you know, we we find as many within 20 yards of the edge of the field, you know, from the woods coming out into the field as we do as we do actually in the field. Find a lot of them mm-hmm. right there around the edge of the field. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, another thing that goes for both areas we're talking about, of course, we're here in the south and Jake's out west, but what more and more people, I see more and more people talking about doing that is very crucial to shed hunting is a good pair of binoculars or even a spot and scope in some, in some cases. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's something that we do. We, you know, we'll park and, um, and a cloudy day is actually easier for that because a white horn will stand out a lot. But if the sun's glaring off of it, it's a little tougher. You can still see it, but, you know, you got to get the sun, you know, right behind you and everything. But, you catch a you know kind of a cloudy day and you can get up on something. Uh, I mean, we even get up in some deer stands you know on the edge of these fields and and just take a lot of time. But you know, look and then you know get one person up there looking and one or two people on the ground you know walking to wherever we point them to. Um, we have a lot of success doing that. I uh, I have found that I, I don't know where I read this or saw it on a video a long time ago or something, but I tried it. Um, and I have found uh, it to be very successful, and that is if it rains, if you get a heavy rain, then, you know, there's a there's a discoloration in, in the woods and a lot of, or even a snow, a lot of the vegetation has been, has been pushed down. The tips of the antlers stick out a little bit better, and um, on, those, on those post-rain, post-storm mornings when you have that post-storm light um, or early morning light, if you wear yellow tinted shooter's glasses, that white, uh, the white tips on the antlers really pop. Um, and I have, you know, that, I mean, I thought that was a myth for a while until I started doing it. And I thought, hmm, this actually does work. So, you know, I think there's all these little tips that add up to a big picture. And there's not one big answer that's just going to help someone go out in the woods and find every, you know, shed in the woods. But all these little things that we're talking about add up and turn into big piles of bone, right? Oh yeah, I mean it just takes it 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 takes you know getting out there and you know the it's just kind of a I mean it's kind of the same thing with hunting when you are successful remember what you did to be that way and then you know keep doing it but um but you know like I said the, you know, one of the fun things I I like about it is you know maybe there's an area. Because there's areas that we'll put trail cameras where we don't check them, but about twice a year, because it is mm-hmm. a bedding area. We'll just put it in there, see what's coming in and out, and we'll literally check it, you know, once a month. But those are, those are some of the first places we go to look for sheds, um, because mm-hmm. they've been they've been untouched, and that's not a place that I would go into, you know, during hunting season, because I don't want to blow deer out of there. And you know, right now they've, you know, they've got 
what ten months to get over it. So, so they'll they'll be okay, you know, if we go in there and and, and bump them out. Um, so you know, those really thick areas aren't the easiest to walk, but um, you know, we 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 definitely get into them. And around water too, around uh, creeks and, and of course we have a lot of water in this part of the world with these sloughs and creeks and places. But around water, we find a lot. Um, but I'm kind of like you, Jake. I like looking for the places where they cross something, whether they they jump across a ditch, they jump across a a fence. Those places mm-hmm. really really work. I know Rocky, we're probably just telling you all this stuff works, and you think you're gonna go find a hundred of them tomorrow, but. <laughs> You know, but the truth of it is, I mean, you know, you'll go and check 10 of these places and you might find one. But but another thing, too, that I hope people realize or want people to realize is that, you know, you can go there today and not find anything, come back in a week, and, you know, there there will be one. It's not just like all of a sudden there's one day where every horn drops, you know, or every antler drops. The next day. Yeah, that doesn't happen. So, you know, we, we – and that's, that's the way we do it. You know, we – we do it every weekend in February and then into the first the week first weekend of March and then, then our turkey season opens so then we don't you know, that way we're not out there riding around everything during turkey season. But we do it every weekend and we make, you know, pretty much the same loop every Saturday and the same loop every Sunday and it just progressively gets better the you know, the the later into February that we get and we we literally cover the same tracks. Um, you know, we just Depending on how many people we have, some days we can cover more ground than others. But, but we, you know, we just we, we do. It's just kind of funny. My brother-in-law got really frustrated last year because he made a big loop. Him, my father-in-law, one day they made a big loop and and they found like two sheds and um one big matching set. That's what it was. And you know, four days later, that was like during the week. Well, four days later, you know, we went out there. Katie and I went out there, just the two of us, and we found fourteen. We made the same loop that they made. The same exact. We were in their track the whole time, <laughs> and he was he was like, "What did we do wrong?" You know, I was like, "Nothing. It's just it's just the difference." I mean, you just got to you know go as often as you can, and uh, you know spend as much time out there as you can. I think well, the two, trail camera. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, there's two things that I've seen people doing now. There's there's shed hunting dogs that I want mm-hmm. both of y'all to make comments on. There's shed hunting dogs, and I see that people are putting wires like up mm-hmm. around their feeders to make the horns mm-hmm. like get caught and fall mm-hmm. off around the feeder. Yeah, I'd love to hear both of y'all's comments on both of those. I'm in the process I'll... now of training my dog and she will be out there with us starting next weekend um to find shits um that is that is something that i want her to do that's something that i think as something we've never well i can't say never done. we've done it before with a dog and it it really opened my eyes to it and that's why i want my dog to do it because we might be able to go and find some but some you know there's like i said there's a lot of places we can't even get into because it's so thick or whatever it may be there's just a lot of ground that that you can't cover even if you have 20 people but a dog with with you know with a nose to the ground they're going to cover some you know cover some territory and i think it can be really really beneficial i mean i've seen it firsthand be really really beneficial now what i don't Mm -hmm. know and what my learning curve here is on it is that i don't know like say sometimes you know a buck will drop both sides right next to each other, really close to each other. What I don't know is, um, and I, I guess it would just be a, like I said, it would be just a learning curve, is 
if my dog goes and finds you know that one side brings it back to me if she'll go back into that area because she's done what she's you know what I mean? Like she, I don't know if it's like a like a blind retrieve. It's it's not the same because I don't know if there's another one out there or not. So I can't just you know send her on a cast out there. So I don't I don't know. That I, that's part of the learning curve I got ahead of me. Um, I don't know. I have heard where some people will train their dog to bark when they find one and not bring it back. You know, stand there and bark instead of instead of bringing it back. That I'd rather be, my dog bring it back and save me the water. I would, Ooh, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would, too. Uh, I'm the same I'm way. I'm getting old. And so, so I don't know. that I, This is a completely new process to me. Um, I mean, as far as training my own dog to do it. But I, it's very, very mm-hmm. beneficial, Rocky. Yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. There's no question. The, uh, the feeder uh, antler trap concept has actually been around for a while, and I've seen – you know, crazy stuff is people putting bungee cords, you know, over a corn pile next to a tree trunk, um, just wide enough for deer to get their head into and, you know, and collect antlers that way. And I've seen stand-up feeders, um, you know, plywood feeders, two-by-four and plywood feeders where people put wires across it or they make the opening small enough where the deer can get the head in and it, it it can't do anything but dislodge the antlers once it gets its head in there and all kinds of crazy stuff but there's no question that 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 works too if you're just a a bone collector um but uh yeah it's in in the dog get, concept get. go ahead no 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 go ahead the dog concept you know i had i had a chesapeake uh years ago he passed away about four years ago and he was he was an antler finder and I just used to go out in the yard and throw fresh antlers out in the yard and just let him get accustomed to it. Of course, he was primarily a duck dog first, but he definitely picked up on it. And I'm not saying when we went out in the woods, he was a bloodhound to antlers, but um, I will say that he definitely found his share of antlers. And now, you know, it's a common practice. There are people, there are dog trainers out there that train dogs to find antlers. because they it's there are events, um, you know, equal to SRS Super Retriever Series events. There, are, there's events equal to that just for for shed for shed dogs. Um, wow. Yeah, there's a, a I can't remember the name of it, but yeah, it's it's equivalent to the Super Retriever Series, but it is specifically for shed dogs, like a you know a shed dog you know trial. You know, you're gonna go run a retriever trial this weekend. There, there they go do that. Um, a lot of that's in the Midwest. I've seen it, but, um, you know, and on the, the antler trap deal, we've done it. Um, we've never had a whole lot of success with it because <laughs> what we found is, um, you got to remember that there's a lot of does out there that can eat just as much corn, if not more than, <laughs> than, than bucks. But also we would get pictures of bucks that have lost one side and they would just put their empty side up against the thing and just smash their face up against it where the other side didn't get caught and 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 eat eat the feed or whatever. Um <laughs> but I heard or I read a really good argument against those because of deer mm-hmm. who aren't to the point of dropping their antlers and getting getting hung up in there mm-hmm. and really hurting themselves. Mm-hmm. So I was you know, gonna, that can, I was gonna bring that up. 
Yeah, I, I, re- I can't remember what that article was in. It's been a, a year ago or so when I read it, but it was a really good argument against them. Um, and I don't know that that those are legal in any kind of way on public land. Anyway, I, I don't know that for sure, but I don't think they are. That's a good point. I mean, you know, it just it actually makes sense. And if a deer that wasn't ready to shed its antlers got caught up in especially wires or bungee cords and it turned into a you know a, an an epic stressful situation for the deer i mean it could even it could even kill the deer and how ironic would it be that you you know you built an antler trap and you ended up you know with a, a trapped deer in it and it's one of the bucks that you were targeting and glad to know was still alive and then you did something to you know to cause to cause that deer to either get injured or stressed or or even killed. Jake, do the deer do they drop usually the same time out there? I mean, is it the same time. That no, I think that's. Year? Man, I think that's one of those things. It's just a debatable, random event that's caused by so many different variables that. You know, they start dropping. I mean, you hear it all the time. You hear stuff, people on social media, on Facebook or whatever going, wow, man, I can't believe it. The deer are already dropping their antlers in late December. Yet, you know, five years ago, you remember seeing that happen too. So it's like nothing surprises us anymore, particularly with the invention of the, you know, digital trail cameras. I mean, I think that's what triggers triggers people into knowing when they're going to go shed hunting because they're getting you know, half racks on cameras or they're seeing deer with no antlers and they know their bucks, they see their bloody pedicles or whatever it is. And I, I honestly think that it's so hard to pinpoint when it's going to happen. You just have to, you know, you just have to stay on your toes with your trail cameras or observations in the woods. And when it happens, it happens. Yeah. I mean, you know, usually, you know, like I said, we'll start, well, today is the last day of deer season here, so we'll start this, you know, this coming weekend, you know, looking, and, you know, there's years where it's it's pretty consistent, you know, you find a few every time you go, but, you know, last year, up until, it was the first, I'm pretty sure it was the first weekend of March, you know, up to then, you know, we, we had been out eight or ten times and, and found six or seven sheds total, and one of those was a matching set, so, and then that one weekend, you know, one day we found 14, and by the end of the weekend we had found 19 or 20 total. So I don't even just like it, you know, just it just happened. Um, but you know, there's there's definitely some years where it doesn't really peak like that. It's just you know sometimes we'll go out and find four or five, and the next weekend the same thing. Next weekend same thing. Um, I don't, I, and I don't, I have no particular idea of why. You know, like, I, I can't say that, you know, this date, you know, this, this time period is best. You know, generally speaking, we start to find more in the end of February and the first of March, but you know, there's definitely been years where it's opposite, you know, where we'll start seeing half-rack deer. I saw half-rack deer last week. So what does that, what does that mean? You know, maybe, maybe he got busted up in a fight or maybe he already, you know, naturally dropped it. Um, that, I, I don't know. Um, and you just, might see two months from now, you might see a deer carrying both sides. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, it's not uncommon at all for us to be the first week or two of turkey season, you know, in the middle of March, seeing bucks with both sides. Um, you know, 
or getting pictures of them at least. So you just never know. Um, but it, you know, this it's definitely the time of year to do it. But you know, a specific day or specific week. Um, no, I can't really, I can't really pinpoint it. I think something we should talk about too is how how much of an annoyance and a costly nuisance it is for farmers uh, in their ag fields. You talked earlier about you know finding a lot of sheds that weren't damaged by rodents um, out in ag fields. Those are the ones you don't see because you're, they're so hard to see within the corn rows or the corn husks or whatever it is. But the farmers find them because they puncture their tractor tires. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. And that's you, exactly know, right. Thing, you know, another time when we'll find, you know, we'll find a few more that we either, that, that most of the time there were or older ones that we've overlooked is when, you know, right now it's the end of January. So by the end of February, farmers, you know, if it's dry enough, farmers will have been in the fields and are disking and getting ready for planting season in end of March and April. When they go through there with that disc, a lot of times they'll they'll tear them up, but you can go mm-hmm. back behind them in that clean field and find one. Now, like I said, you might find it in two or three pieces, but that uh, that disc will will hit them and, and you know kick them up. Uh, that we do it. That seems like it happens every year. You know, we'll find one or two out in the mm-hmm. field like that. That we you know we just went by or it was way out in the field and ended up getting hit by a disc and. And, you know, destroyed, but you know, you still still find it. That that definitely happens. And yeah, on the, the flat tires because of them. Um, you know yeah, how hard a, it is. There's to more than a, a fair tire chair. on a sixty horse Massey or a sixty horse John Deere. Oh my yeah. gosh! Isn't that the truth? Because of a dang shed too. Because of a shed. <laughs> you know, another place that I find them out here may not be as prevalent. You know, down south, just based on uh, you know the the cattle and the way they feed and the, the winters here out out west, but around the round the big round hay bales and and uh, hay stacks of alfalfa, the deer when there's a lot of snow on the ground late in the winter or early in the spring, the deer will go and feed on those hay bales. And when the bucks go in there to you know they come in and they they turn their head sideways to get to the hay bales and their antlers are always in the way um, and they always seem to pick the hay off the corners of the bales whether they're round or square and when they do that they 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 you know they bump or uh, catch one of the antlers on the hay bale and I have found I bet I found I bet I have found 30 or 40 shed good sheds like large whitetail buck sheds and mule deer on hay bales in the wintertime. Yeah, I didn't yeah. think about that. That's interesting. It's just one of those cool things that you know comes with the territory. Yeah, that's not something that we mm-hmm. we see here. Um, but that's uh, that's an interesting. That's, yeah, because those, those alfalfa stacks are everywhere out there in Utah and Colorado. Mm-hmm. I know they were in Utah. Mm-hmm. But they're hey, like giant bait piles in the snow, you know. Yeah, let's let's come out. Let's go out there and go mule deer shed hunting, and that would be fun. Or elk. There are people that do that now. That there are elk shed hunters. There are mule deer shed hunters. Heck, I found a you know pronghorn 
I mean, they call them antelope, but they're really not technically an antelope. But let's, for lack of better words, just call them pronghorn antelope. I have found pronghorn antelope sheds on fence lines where, where they go, they don't jump fences, they go under them and they always brush their, their horns. And they're the only sheathed horned animal that sheds every year. They, they grow new, new horns every year. So, you know, Western you know, hunters think, can I find did, those too. I did not know that. I did not know. Mm-hmm. That. I don't. I, I I did not know that. I thought that they held them. I I did not know that they lost them. They don't. I've got two of them in my basement, my antler <laughs> pile. What's your favorite <laughs> shed you've ever found, Josh? Um, the one I was talking about a minute ago that I'm still sitting here looking at because it's it's in my house and because it it was um, had pictures of this deer for four years and then this was his shed the the fourth year that we got pictures of him and then I. I killed him the next year. Uh, so it, that one just had a whole lot of history, a whole lot of, um, I mean, a whole lot of history to it, which was really, really cool. Um, I was trying to think. We found one the the first time me and you ever hunted together, turkey hunting. We found one. Um, That's right. I forgot about that. I, I still have that one. Um, you know, that, that was kind of a funny thing. Uh, found that one, and then a little while later, Katie and I doubled on two big turkeys the year before that. Um, another good friend of all of ours, Freddie King, was was actually down here filming us, and Katie found a shed, and about an hour later, me and her doubled on two big turkeys. So that's kind of a, <laughs> it's kind of a good luck charm when we find it like that. Yeah. But no, I, I, I was really, going to say, um, I really hold on to this one. I, I, I love this one right here because it 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 I don't, it was just a. Like I said, all the pictures, and we never had any sheds of him. And then I found his shed, just one side, but it was the side with, with the most of the character that really made him stand out. Um, and then the next year, I I got to kill him. So that was that one's my most memorable. What's yours? Honestly and ironically, I think my favorite shed, like when people come to my house and they look at my shed pile and all that, there's one little bitty shed that I found on public ground in western Nebraska, and it's a year and a half old buck, and, and literally it'll fit inside my, prob- not, not totally inside one of my, the palms of one of my hands, but it's pretty small, and it's like a, I think it's a five-point side, and it's palmated like a moose antler, and and it's probably my favorite shed because how often do you see an antler that small with that much mass and i mean i'm telling you it's probably got five or six inches of mass between you know the g2 and g3 and it's just flat as a pancake and it looks like a moose shed and i just i don't know why that one just intrigues me and i remember picking it up under a big cottonwood tree out like like right next to the parking lot where where we park and you know in the like unlikeliest of places and the unlikeliest of horns that you'd find or even appreciate because it's so small. But anyhow, that's that's probably my favorite antler. <laughs> well, also the one that I'm talking a, about is also the one I was shoved out of a moving vehicle for. So, <laughs> so that one sticks in my mind for a few reasons. But anyway, go ahead, Rocky. Uh, look, I'm, this is the last question because we're going to have to go in just a second. But, you know, something for the expert deer hunters. I always hear this. Well, this is his shed this year, 
and this is what he looks like next year. Well, how do you know that's the same deer? Oh, man. Um, like I was saying a minute ago, this deer that, that um, just happened to be sitting here beside because I'm in my house had a whole lot of character on one side, on his left side, that made him really, really stand out. Year after year, that left side. Mm-hmm. And, and and now I will say that when I killed him, I had no idea it was even him. Um, I knew it was a big, mature deer. I killed him. I got down. I found him. And I sent a picture to Katie, and she said, well, that's him. I, I had no clue because uh, he was almost in another county. He was so far away from where we had ever seen him or gotten pictures of him or anything. I mean, he was way off. He was on our property, but um, it was a long ways off. But it was um, you know, his his left side, just, I mean, it just had, you know, unmistakable character every year the same the same thing it got bigger every year but it was just you know more and more character or more and more growth but the same character every year so there's no no denying it now i mean i will say there's definitely deer that look the same but you know i i don't one thing i I would like well i don't want to get into that that's not really a shed topic is 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 drop times and stuff you know whether or not a deer has one every year but that's another topic. Um, yeah, I think there's there's characteristics in antler growth that are that are without question uh, directly tied into the the deer's um, DNA fingerprint because of what you said. There's a you know it may it may look a lot different, but there's something on the antler that is shared. It's a common trait that's shared year after year, and sometimes. You look at an antler and go, "Oh, there's no question. That's exactly like the deer that the the when you kill one, you go, "Oh yeah, I've got his sheds. That's a, that's a, there's no question. It looks just like him." And then there's other times where you find a shed and you look at it and you go, "I've never seen this deer before." And then you go back or you go forward into a trail camera picture and you go, "That's him. That's him." Because you got a little acorn tip or a bend in a G2 that bends you know, front words or something, there's something about the antler that gives it away, and sometimes it's really subtle, and sometimes it's really obvious. Well, and that's what makes it so much fun. You know, a lot of people don't like the trail camera movement because people are naming deer, and you feel like you're, you know, you're getting getting to know them so well and everything, but it's really cool, like I said, when, when you do get to put a story together with one, you know, you get... Now you not only have a, a great deer Puzzle. when you, you harvest him, but, but you have pictures. You may have his shed, and and so it's really it's really cool to to build. I mean, like I said, we had pictures of this particular deer for four years, and then the fifth year is when I killed it. Um, so you know mm-hmm. we had a and we and we only saw him once that whole time. So mm-hmm. uh, you know all those it's years we only laid eyes on him once. That's right. And you know mm-hmm. shed hunting helps you. Well, I say helps you. It adds pieces to the puzzle. I feel like sometimes it it, it can be uh, it can be beneficial um, because, like I said, you you're it's very likely you're going to find out that there was a buck or maybe even more bucks on your property than you even knew. Um, than you mm-hmm. even you know whether you got pictures of them or you didn't. Um, it's a it's an eye opener. You get out there and mm-hmm. you start finding you know a lot of a lot of sheds. Um, or you or you you get these pictures of a buck that's your target buck 
all through the summer and then he disappears in mid-September and you hunt that area the whole time and you never see him you never get pictures of him on your trail cameras then all of a sudden you know the second week of January you find a shed 30 yards from your camera you know yeah well like, that's the truth yeah you just, and you're you just like, want to go home it. and go fishing <laughs> yeah. yeah that's right you just want to get as far away from that yeah that's right yeah but that's what makes it it makes it fun um you know, and you know, like I said, I know I keep going back to it, Rocky, but especially with the age of your kids and everything, it is so much fun for them to get out there and do that. And then you have uninterrupted time. I mean, it's great to take your kids hunting, but when you're hunting, you're hunting. You're 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 trying to be quiet. You're teaching them ways of the woods. Well, you can take away the quiet factor when you go when you go shed hunting. You don't have to worry about that anymore. So you can they can laugh and scream and point at every deer track in the road and you you really have a you know uninterrupted time to teach them so much about everything and on top of that you know find a shed or two um, to hold on to that that's man it it really makes it fun Mm -hmm. it's an addiction i mean we should develop a a recovery program for for shed hunters called antlers anonymous (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's, that's, i mean it's an I mean, addiction start, it's an addiction there's no question it is i mean it, it really is <laughs> i mean it, we, we look i mean i look forward to it just you know, to to february and march shed hunting just as much as i do opening day of any season i mean i, mm-hmm. I really do it is i mean i'm glad there there is no season on it which i'm glad of you know here but um and it's it is an addiction well, I think you guys have taught me a lot and the guys that are listening to this podcast a lot. And I want to tell you, thank you for all the knowledge that you guys have given today. And with that, do you guys have any parting thoughts before we leave? Get out there and shed hunt. You're not going to find them on the couch. No, absolutely not. You know, and I, I that's the thing. I encourage anybody and everybody to do it. And it doesn't matter if you have, you know, a lot of land or not. Um, you know, you have I mean, we we do it too. We we call people and say, "Look, you know, is it okay if we come out to your hunting club and look?" I mean, y'all are welcome to keep them. We just like going and looking, you know, and and um, it creates a really fun atmosphere for everybody. So just, you know, at, at least at least once or twice do it. Um, you know, this this spring or early spring and get out there and do it and experience it because you're, you're going to unfortunately be addicted, but I'm, I'm not sorry for, for enticing you to get out there because it's a lot of fun. Hi guys. Well, thank you all for y'all's time and knowledge today. And for Jake and Josh, we want to thank you for being here for this edition of the only X podcast powered by ducksouth.com.